Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here this morning. Thank you so much for being here, and we want to say a, a special welcome to those of you who are our honored guests today. Uh, some of you may be uh, with us for the very first time or second time. Others of you uh, are returning back here for our homecoming Sunday today, and uh, regardless of what brings you here, thank you so much for being a part of our worship service today. It is a pleasure to see you. I hope that uh, whenever you came in, you uh, picked up one of our bulletins or was handed one of our bulletins because all of the uh, announcements in there are very important. Uh, just uh, two that I want to highlight. One, of course, today is our homecoming Sunday, and immediately following our service today, we will have a, a homecoming meal because we can't be called Baptist if we don't eat at homecoming. And we want to keep Baptist on the sign. So uh, we're going to do that today. Uh, you're invited to stay and eat with us. It's a catered meal. So if you say, well, I didn't bring anything, guess what? Nobody did. So you're good. Uh, it's a catered meal. We want you to stay and eat with us. And we'll have a good time of fellowship around the table together. Uh, two things very quickly. One um, is that uh, there this afternoon schedule is going to look a little bit different in that the 5 p.m. Romans study uh, will not be held today. Now, with that said, uh, are you guys meeting today? Six o'clock? Okay. All the discipleship groups are still meeting this afternoon at six o'clock. Our youth is still meeting this afternoon at six o'clock. And our new children's ministry that we just restarted back up on Sunday evenings it's also going to be meeting this afternoon at 6 o'clock. So the only change really that's going on in today's schedule is that our Romans study will not be held at 5 p.m. But all the other groups will be meeting together. So please make a note of that. Uh, Miss Wanda, I believe she has a, an announcement for us. I'm going to ask her to come. Thank you. I'll only take a moment. I just want to remind you all that just in three short days... Next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, is the Walk for Life, which is the Pregnancy Resource Center's major fundraiser. So I just want to encourage you to be supportive by either sponsoring a walker or walking yourself. We have three in the church that's walking, Pastor Tommy, <laughs> Betty Hartzell, and myself. So um, we need, you know, we they need your support. This is, like I say, a major fundraiser. I just want to encourage you to participate and to support my dear friends it is crucial today in as in any day that we as believers that our actions match our beliefs so what do you believe and what are you going to do about it all right so i'll be out in the lobby come see me uh, we take cash money or charge cards thank you very much <laughs> We're here till Thursday. Don't forget to tip your waitress on the way out. Tommy, Tommy, I, I got just a couple. Okay. Um, first off, I just want to, uh, Jim and I want to say a big thank you for your prayers and support over our Epiphany Ministries. We had our event yesterday, and it was fabulous. Um, we we brought the love of God to 15 young men, and we just we're going to continue to pour in their lives. So just pray that the seeds that were planted will just grow. And that these young men then will just know how much they are loved and that they will follow, continue to follow God. So thank you so much for your support and your prayers. Also, for my music ministry, out of concern for um, the well-being and the peace of mind of our singers, 
we have decided to hold off on Joyful Song Choir. Um, some of the, the nursing homes that we like to sing at are still having issues with COVID, and so that was creating some discomfort with some of our folks, so I understand that. So we're going to wait till after the first of the year, and we'll just kind of reevaluate, and I will keep you informed about that. Thanks. All right. Thank you, guys. I, uh, we're 138 years old today uh, as a church. Are there any charter members here <laughs> with us this morning? We want to recognize you. None? Okay. Well, then uh, maybe next year one of them will come back. It's good to see you. Uh, we're going to take just a moment to pray together, uh, ask God's blessings upon this day. Uh, do please make sure you read all the announcements in the bulletin. Each one of them is extremely important. Many of them are time-sensitive, uh, so we want to make sure that you are uh, informed of everything going on. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, how great it is to be able to come together today on this Lord's Day. And what a special day it is. It's the day that we pause to celebrate uh, what you have done and what you are doing at First Baptist Church of Locust. We thank you, Lord, for that 138 years of ministry where you have worked in and through this church to be a blessing to this community. For the many that have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through the preaching, the teaching, the instruction of First Baptist Church of Locust. And so today, Lord, we come to say thank you for all that you have done, the great things that you have accomplished in those 138 years. But Lord, we thank you that you're not finished with us yet and that you've, you've left us here on the side of this road and, and tarrying your return, Lord, you've given us the opportunity to continue to minister to those that are in our community and in our area. Lord, we just pray that we will be faithful in continuing that ministry in the years ahead. We thank you for all of those who have come before us, those great men and women of God, who, who loved and served and poured their heart into the ministry of First Baptist Church of Locusts. And Lord, we realize that today we stand on their shoulders and that we carry on the legacy that they began. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be faithful. We pray, Lord, for all of our church members and our, our friends, our community that is struggling, that is hurting. We pray, oh God, that today will be a day of strengthening, a day of relief, a day of healing. Lord, today we give you ourselves. We just ask you that during our time together today, as Brother Billy comes to bring the message in a little bit, and as we sing together, that, Lord, our hearts are going to be open toward you. That whatever it is you have to say to us, Lord, that we're going to hear you. We'll not be distracted by all of the things that are around us. All of those things of the past week or the coming week. But that for this little while, Lord, our heart will be open toward you. That our ears will be open toward heaven to hear what you have to say to us. God, our goal today is to leave here having been changed by your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would work as only you can. This is our prayer today in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
on Mission has engaged in disaster relief at home in North Carolina, across the United States, and around the world. Because God has equipped and enabled North Carolina Baptists to respond at a moment's notice, we strive to answer the call whenever the need arises. Our trained volunteers serve in a variety of ways, which include chaplaincy, recovery, food preparation, child care, providing showers, laundry services, and much, much more. Hurricane Ida came ashore and caused lots of damage from heavy winds and rain and flooding. In response to that, we're doing feeding, recovery, we have chaplains, we have administration on site, we have our medical reserve team on site, we have safety on site to respond to both our needs and the public needs. We're cooking about 12,000 meals a day, having those ready by 9.30 in the morning and then the Salvation Army canteens pick them up and distribute them to the community we get to respond and show God's love to others that are hurting. And we're trying to help them through this difficult situation. 
When tornadoes destroyed parts of Bowling Green, Kentucky last year, our teams were there. Here in North Carolina, we ministered to homeowners in Rockingham County when tornadoes touched down there. Volunteers also responded to flooding in Haywood County last fall, working on over 250 homes through mudouts, tearouts, and rebuilding projects. Our ongoing work in Haywood County is now entering a new phase. Through partnerships with several local organizations, we've committed to building five new homes with more to come. More volunteers will be needed to help us reach that goal. Disaster relief is an opportunity to respond when people are hurting. It's an opportunity to share the love of Christ in a tangible way. And it's one of the ministries supported by your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering. Thank you for helping us offer relief for today and hope for tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day you've given us, Lord. And just, God, thank you for such a beautiful day today for homecoming Sunday, Lord. And just pray, Lord, that you'd take the tithes and offerings that's been brought, Lord, and just use them in building your kingdom, Lord, and multiply them as only you can. Lord, I pray you'd be with Billy today, Lord, as he brings your message. Just hide him behind the cross. In Christ's name, amen.
just thank you right now for your marvelous, amazing, wonderful love. God, we feel your spirit just filling this place. God, let us just fill our hearts today. Lord, be with us as we listen to the message. Lord, keep our minds and our hearts open so that we can receive it and be forever changed. And God, when we leave this place today, let us be just filled with your love, your grace, your glory, your mercy, so that when we come in contact with the outside world, there will be no doubt, God, who we belong to, who we are. May we always be your light in a dark world. God, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the blessing of this church. And we thank you for the years of faithfulness. God, we just lift this time up to you. In your name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Thank you for your singing. I invite you to be seated. In his first epistle, John wrote of all believers, he said, What manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God? Man, well, what a great love that is. Thank you again for being here on this homecoming Sunday. Um, we are honored to have with us today uh, Brother Billy Rice. Uh, we had the uh, honor and privilege of working beside of him and him serving alongside of us as our very first full-time minister to youth and children. And uh, God did a, a great work through him and in him uh, during that time. Uh, now, he'd made, he made it clear to us from the very beginning God had called him to be uh, a senior pastor at uh, whatever point God chose to do that. And so he was able to serve with us and uh, serve our families and our youth and children for two years. And then God called him to be the pastor of Hopewell Baptist Church in Madison, Florida. And uh, so when, when God called him away, God called him away. All right, so uh, they served in Madison, Florida. How long did you guys there? Just two and a half years. And uh, currently they are serving at Watkins Chapel Baptist Church here, back here in North Carolina. And you guys are somewhere around Cary. Raleigh, I was close. Okay, so they are, they're closer to us now and back closer to their family as well. And uh, we're just delighted that Brother Billy and uh, his uh, wonderful family was able to come back and, and be with us again today. Uh, they have, uh, they've been a, a special family to our church since today. The they stepped in and began serving with us, and they still continue to be a very special uh, family to our church. So, Brother Billy, I'm going to turn the uh, pulpit over to you at this time, brother. You come and preach as God has laid upon your heart. You close it as you see fit. is good and he is when Tommy asked me a few uh, a few months ago if I would come back and preach I was honored to do so and my, re my response to him uh, was let me pray about it dot 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 yes <laughs> and uh, I was I jumped at the opportunity 
And uh, after that, I began praying, Lord, what would you have me to say to your people here, back here at First Baptist Church of Locust? Um, Lord, I, I, love, I love your people here, and Lord, I, I want to honor you in, in speaking to them what your word would have me to say and what you would have me to say. And uh, the passage of scripture that came to my mind and, and, and never really left was from the book of Philippians. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. And in honor and reverence of the, pre, of the reading of God's word, let's stand together as we read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 11. You'll have to pardon me if I get a little choked up during this because it's really a personal testimony as well. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Here's the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of, with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Our Father, this morning, once again, Lord, may you bless the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, I am so grateful to be back here among friends and uh, among old friends and family. And Father, may you speak through me. May this be a time of once again where I simply, I decrease and you increase, Lord, and that you are glorified through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. I was I was thinking just earlier this morning that it's uh, it, uh, it's been a little while since you've heard me preach, and uh, I'm not the 20 minute sermon where you get out and and beat everybody to lunch now anymore. And uh, but then again, it doesn't really matter how long I preach today. You're going to beat every other church to lunch, aren't we? Um, just two weeks ago, I think uh, Catherine was record doing the recording, and uh, when I stepped down and looked at the time, it said 59 minutes. And uh, I was like, my goodness, that is a long time. But y'all don't have to worry about that. I won't preach for an hour today. I'll just go for two hours, right? All right. 
So here we go. We're in Philippians chapter number one. Paul is writing to the Philippian church here. He's writing uh, to a to to a church that's that is full of paganism. Uh, the, the the Philippi is really known as Little Rome. Uh, it has all of the amenities of Rome, just on a smaller scale. He visited this place on his second missionary journey and had some amazing accomplishments there, and saw the Lord do some amazing things in Philippi. He saw the the salvation of Lydia in Philippi. And he also, while he was preaching the gospel, he, uh, experienced, he exercised the demon from a, a young possessed girl. And that had some financial impact there because this little girl was making a lot of money for, for really godless people in Philippi. And he, he, he messed with a person's wallet. And uh, I don't know about you, but if, uh, if you're preaching the gospel and it messes with a person's wallet, they're not going to be too happy about it. Not going to be happy about it at all. And so what happened was a riot ensued and Paul was arrested and thrown in jail. But that did not stop Paul from preaching the gospel. He continued to preach. He continued to share the gospel well into the night. And about midnight, an earthquake came. You're familiar with the story, I hope. An earthquake came and all the doors were opened. And it could have been the great escape for Paul and Silas. They're thrown in jail. I don't know about you, but if I was in jail that night, that'd be my chance to leave. But they stayed. They stayed. And the jailer, he knew that there was going to be no one there. He draws himself to sword to kill himself. And Paul says, whoa, hold up. Don't do that. We're still here. And then we see the salvation of the jailer and his family. Philippi had a special place in the heart of Paul. And it, was, it had such a special place. And this is why this is a personal, te- personal testimony, because First Baptist Church of Locust, y'all hold a special place in my heart, a very special place. And wherever we go and wherever Catherine and I, and I end up and wherever and, we're, and whoever we're talking to, when we bring up First Baptist Church of Locust, man, it is so incredible to share the stories. And that's why I'm getting, I was getting choked up this morning, because uh, especially when I read verse 3, I thank my God in, in all my remembrance of you. That's exactly how I feel. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've allowed me to do in the very short time that I've been at First Baptist Church of Locusts. And Paul was feeling the same way. Although Paul was in prison, but he was feeling the same way. I'm not in prison now. I'm, I'm pastoring. And, uh, of course, some pastors might be like, what's the difference? But no, we are in a, such a wonderful church in Watkins Chapel, uh, such a wonderful group of people up there, and we are just so excited to see what God is doing up there. And I'll explain a little more of that in, in a little bit. But Paul was joyful in, the, in prison. And so joyful, in fact, that he mentions joy in this book 16 times. 16 times you find the word joy mentioned in the book of Philippians. It's ironic, as I said, he's in prison and not in Philippi. He's in prison in Rome now. It's believed that he was writing this letter shortly before his trial in Rome, shortly before he was to face judgment of execution, shortly before he was about to lose his head for the faith, and he talks about joy. How in the world can someone talk so frequently about joy when you're about to have your head chopped off? Paul realizes something. And Paul knew this, and I want us to realize this too, that any, in any affliction that we may face as a Christian, there is no affliction that will ever be permanent. No affliction that will ever be eternal for a Christian. It was momentary. 
He realizes that, the, that his imprisonment, imprisonment was a momentary affliction. He realizes that his struggle was, was momentary. He realized that his death, although it was imminent, it was momentary. He realized that none of this. I thought someone fell backstage. That was the air conditioner. He realized that none of this was going to cause any effect with his relationship and his standing with the Lord. And he saw what the Lord was doing in Philippi, and it brought him joy in the midst of all of that because it was just momentary. This joy, it brought him to say such sayings to the Philippians that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Such joy to say that he has peace that passes all understanding. Such joy to say that he has the strength to do all things through Christ who who strengthens him. All of these are found in Philippians. He has strength to do this. Friends, there are Christians all over the world who are facing affliction and, and, and persecution. They're facing the reality that Paul is facing, and many of them are going to meet their demise just this morning while we're worshiping they're going to meet their end but they can find joy because they are dying for their lord for some of us it's a struggle to find joy to wake up early on sunday morning just to go to church i don't know about you but even an airbnb bed feels really nice on a sunday morning My personal bed feels so much better on a Sunday morning than any other time of the week. Anyone say amen to that? If you can't say amen, you can just do me a Southern Baptist amen and just nod your head. The bed feels the bed feels so much nice and so much more comfortable on Sunday morning, and uh, yet uh, our service starts an hour earlier than this church, so we have to be awake an hour earlier, and uh, that's a struggle. That's definitely a struggle, but. There are so many people who would do anything to be able to gather on Sunday morning. Yet they still have joy because they know, they have confidence in what is going on is that their Lord is keeping them. They have joy in suffering for Christ because they know that there's a greater reward coming. And those who persecute them, they they fail to realize that whenever you persecute God's people, they're going to explode. Every time in history that there was a persecution that took place in the church, the church exploded, which which is what led one of our early church fathers to say, the blood of the martyrs is... The seed of the church. I believe that God's word through the book of Philippians, it encourages, it encourages us to seek joy in our times of difficulty. And it encourages us to seek joy when we see one another, when we see God working through one another. To seek joy in the fact that we know the Lord. To seek joy and to know that we can find joy when we gather together. And see, Paul was writing to a, to a gathered body of Philippians. And he was talking about joy in seeing and hearing about that gathered body. And knowing that they can find joy as a gathered body. There is a special joy that you can find in the gathered body of believers wherever they meet to worship. There's a special joy that you can can find even in difficulties we can find joy in the local assembly here and, and sure there are great ministries that we have online ministries and tape ministries and uh, I, I, we may do tape ministry i don't know or mp3 or radio or podcast or whatever 
There's, there, there's great opportunities and great ministries in that. But there's no replacement for the gathered body. No replacement for coming together as God's people and worshiping our Lord. You know, that's, I believe that's a little glimpse of heaven for us. And it should be. Gathering together on Sunday morning should be a little glimpse of heaven for us. It shouldn't be a place where we dread to come. And I'll explain to you, working in ministry, there are some Sunday mornings where I'm like, I really don't want to deal with some of the mess that's about, I'm about to have to deal with this morning. And Satan could so easily rob me of the joy of being before my Lord with God's people because of some silly nonsense. There's no replacement for it. Believers, we should be active in the gathered body. Whether you're a member here or somewhere else, if you're visiting here, I encourage you to come here. The pastor's not as tall and as good looking as I am, but he's a good pastor. And they've got got an, an incredible, from what I understand, youth and children's pastor. The music lady, she's got purple hair, but she's good. Then there's the discipleship guy. You pray for him. Where's he at? There he is. Um, I've, uh, in my time here, I've, I've loved them. And we didn't always see eye to eye together, but there's one thing that we did agree on. And that's the first point for today, is that we agreed that we are partners in the gospel. And that's the priority of our partnership, partners in the gospel. No, we didn't see eye to eye on everything, but, that's, but that was beyond the point. We knew what we are here to do, and that is to serve and to love our Lord and to preach the gospel. The priority of the partnership, number one, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, Paul says in, in verse 3. Always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. Nearly all of Paul's letters begin with a thanksgiving, and regardless of the circumstances that he found himself in, uh, believers remained at the, at the forefront of Paul's mind and his heart. It had been nearly 10 years since he had visited Philippi, and he was increasingly grateful for them. And so he must have often remembered that after he left Macedonia, the Philippian church was the only one that really helped him financially, according to Philippians chapter 4. And so he had this genuine desire to remember and to focus on the goodness that the Philippians showed him and the kindness and the success of him. He had a genuine desire to, to, to look at that and to praise God for that. There are times when we look at what God is doing in other churches and we get jealous of that. The Bible does not say, and Paul does not say, I'm thankful because of our competition in the gospel. But because of our partnership in the gospel. Listen, if a church is preaching the gospel and, it's, and if it's growing, praise God for that. I was at a pastor's meeting a couple of weeks ago. And there was a, a great local pastor who God is doing some incredible things through. And his church was growing, and, and, his, and, and I had asked him, how many people have, are you able to reach now? How many people are attending your Sunday services? And he, uh, he held up the number uh, four, as in 400. And I'm like, praise the Lord. But, he, but later, he apologized to me because someone may become jealous of that. I'm like, dude, don't you ever apologize to me for what God is doing. Don't you ever apologize to me for what God is doing. And I will never be apologetic for what God is doing at, at, at my church. And, and, uh, I, and, and I'm not boasting because it's not me. Uh, the, just in the last year that we've been there, we've brought in about 20 new members and we have baptized them for the first time in years. And the church is doing incredible things. And, uh, and, and, and if it brings jealousy to our hearts, then there's some pride issues going on there. 
because we're not in competition with one another. There are churches that we may not agree with on everything, but if they are preaching the gospel and God is blessing, then praise God for that. Praise God for that. Praise God for what he's doing here at First Baptist Church of Locusts. There are some new faces that I don't recognize here. And, I'm, and I thank God that you're here. Because, you, because obviously someone has told you about this and you've heard something about this church. And I know what this church does. They preach and sing and they love the Lord. And so if you're here because of that, praise God for that. Because you've got an incredible church here. An incredible church that I absolutely love. And Paul was praying for them. He said, I'm praying for you, making my prayer with joy. It's Levitical language. He says it's an intercessory prayer. Paul, prayer is in effect, it's his sacrifice for the Philippians. It's really a test of godly joy. How much do you pray for others versus how much do you pray for yourself? How much joy do you see do you get in the lord do we're doing and working for others versus what you don't see him doing in yourself make my prayer with joy because your partnership in the gospel verse five from the first day until now and that word partnership or participation it means to share something in common with another person it's the greek word koinonia it's, it's an incredible word, and this partnership occurs when people become involved in, together in a, in a joint venture. This was the case with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. These four men were fishing, and they were um, having a, a, a really tough time, they were, and, but they were fishing together. And that's the Kononia, really, literally fishing in the same boat together when Jesus found them. And this is what, uh, much like what Paul shares in common with the Philippians in the work of the gospel. Though they're separated because Paul is in prison in Rome and they're in Philippi thousands of miles away, they remain in partnership together being fishers of men. Though you're here in Locust, North Carolina, and though I'm, I was either in Madison, Florida, or in Raleigh, North Carolina, we are partners in the gospel because we are dedicated to the same mission and that is seeing people come to know jesus christ and that should be the forefront of our mission is seeing people come to know jesus and being made to be disciples it amazed me when i heard that uh, uh all of these small groups were going to continue to meet this afternoon even though it's homecoming day i'm thinking i'm sitting here thinking like man I'm tired. I'm ready to go home after homecoming. There's a lot of planning that went on to this. I'm ready to go home, go sit in, go sit in my chair and watch the game and go to sleep. But man, y'all are coming back. Amen for that. Amen for that. Continue making disciples because that's what God has called us to do. Continue making disciples. Continue meeting. Continue to do that. I had to repent myself for having a, a, an attitude of like, man, I want to just go home and rest. This joint participation in the gospel is what we all share. It's what we are all called to do. And we, we are, we're all called to collectively to put our trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and together it's imperative for all of us to take this message to the world. We've been bound together as, as one united church to take this message to the world. We've been bound together as one united church to do so in separate small local bodies. And regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, every one of us shares this same evangelistic calling to share Jesus and to reach the corners of the earth with the gospel. We're all in the same boat. We're all engaged in the same profession. We're all ambassadors for Christ. 
whether it be Watkins Chapel, whether it be First Baptist Church, whether it be Second Church of Podunk Holler, we're all called. And it's a special calling. The church is the only institution by, uh, that's been entrusted with the gospel. The only institution in Scripture that's been entrusted with the gospel. There are three institutions in Scripture, marriage, government, and church. And church is the only one entrusted with the gospel. They're the only ones that have been commanded by Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 to go and make disciples, to go and preach the gospel, to go and share someone the love of Jesus. That is our most important calling. And friends, there are way too many churches, and and, and your pastor and I, we've seen there are so many churches around that are spending so much time rather bickering in business meetings over meaningless foolishness than planning how to share the gospel. Folks, we have to make sure we are sharing the gospel. I'm not accusing you of anything, but we have to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. That is Jesus Christ. And and, and friends, because let me tell you, a church that's characterized... That by anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ is a dead church. And I do not want that for you, and I do not want that for me. And so we have to keep the gospel at the forefront. It's either a dead church or a demonic church. Take your pick. I don't want to be that. I don't think you want to be that either. But if we take our eyes off of what is most important for a second, we'll fall and we'll die. God will remove his lampstand and he will have some other church raised in our place. But what happens is when we, when we, when we end up not sharing the gospel, when the priority of our partnership is forsaken, we end up losing this spirit-given joy that Paul is talking about here. It's impossible, by the way, to serve faithfully or happily apart from the gospel. It's impossible to have joy apart from the gospel. We need this joy. When we keep the gospel as priority, I want, you, I want to give you the second point here. We, we can see that there's perseverance in this partnership perseverance in this partnership and paul says i'm sure of this i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will begin it will bring it to completion on the day of jesus christ those who possess christ though the churches that possess christ there's a certainty about their future paul says he's confident he's sure of this that that who that the god who began a good work in you that god when he commenced them with with the new birth and made them alive with christ he will bring that to completion it points back to the time where paul first preached at philippi god opened their hearts and they believed the gospel and what God began there. God, Paul is convinced that God is going to complete what God has began in your heart here. God is going to bring to completion. And that's the beauty, that's the beauty of the gospel that those who remain in the gospel will find perseverance to remain in the gospel. That those who are faithful will find perseverance. Let me be honest with you. It's, there are times when it's hard. It's hard to remain faithful. It's hard to remain, uh, to, it's hard to, to persevere. And at the end of, right at the first end of the, my first year of pastoring, there was this big, massive, terrible thing called COVID that took place. And I don't, and, 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 and most of you haven't pastored before, but, uh, and, and I don't uh, really 
Um, we're not going to get into the opinions of what you thought about COVID, but everyone can agree that it was horrible. It was terrible. And what it brought about was absolutely horrible and terrible. And so being a pastor at the end of my first year of pastoring, yeah, that made me want to quit sometimes. Like, Lord, I cannot do anything right. I don't even know what I'm doing. I've only been in my first year here, and all of, now you're allowing all of this to hit? Lord, why did you bring me into this, knowing that this is going to happen? And then that was when the Lord had to convict me and bring me to my knees and say, in, in, in such a way through the scriptures, it's like, Billy? It's... Those who remain faithful will persevere. And over the last couple of years, it has taken some faithfulness to see what God is going to do in the midst of uncertainty. And Pastor Tommy has faced it the same way. There are, there are some who believe we should have went this way, some who believe we should have went that way. And I try to encourage my church, whichever, whatever way we go about handling this, one thing is clear is that we will continue to preach the gospel. We will continue to preach the gospel. And however you handled it, I'm not here to say anything on that, but did you remain faithful to the gospel? During COVID, did you remain faithful to the gospel? Did you remain faithful to telling folks about Jesus? Because that's what's most important. That's what's most important. Paul was in jail. If anyone was facing affliction, it was Paul. The Philippians were, were about to, like many churches in the, in, the, in the Greco-Roman world, they were about to face persecution like we've never seen. But they remained faithful. And Paul gave this assurance that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And he said, it's right for me to feel this way. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Paul says, I know I can feel this way about you. I know that God is going to persevere. God is going to keep his people and he's going to help them to persevere to the end because they are partakers of, with him in, in grace. They are those who love the Lord. You know, wherever we found ourselves during all of that, during all of that time, we could keep one thing sure, that those who were in Christ were going to persevere. And Paul knew this, that those who were facing whatever struggle they were going to face, it was not some kind of fleeting emotion it was going to, that, that, that was going to fade away. Paul knew uh, with a deep-seated passion that endured over the years that whatever faced the Philippians, whatever Paul faced, whatever God's people face in whatever year it is, that they are going to persevere because the grace that they have partaken with each other. And he said to them, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's telling them there are two priorities to keep. So there's, there's a purpose in this partnership. There's perseverance, and then there's priorities. And I know I'm getting a little scatterbrained here, but I'm going to close this up pretty soon. Two priorities that we keep. 
two priorities that we keep, that we know in whatever we face in our partnership and the gospel, two priorities that we keep. And number one is love for one another. Love for one another. He says, I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's, he's speaking metaphorically here in order to press home the way that he feels so deeply. It, he feels this to the core of his being. It's a fervent affection for those, and that, that affection that must mark our lives as well. We must more than simply, uh, do more than simply just endure other believers. Some have to be, some believers have to be tolerated more than others. Um, but we need, some people need a little extra love. But Paul is saying we must, uh, we must yearn for, for one another. We must lovingly care for one another as uh, one theologian put it it's not enough to tolerate other christians you must enjoy their company and that was so convicting when i was reading that because there are as i've said there are people that we just don't get along with even those who love christ that we just don't agree with and it's when we have to do more than just tolerate people. We must enjoy their company. We must learn from the people that we're not the same as. We must learn from those who are in Christ. Furthermore, this fellowship must be one that is constantly expanding to include other Christians, even those whom you have never met, but with whom you are forever united in the Lord. You know, one day we're going to stand before the Lord together. And there are going to be people that we did not see eye to eye with in heaven with us, and you're going to have to be with them forever. For some of you, it's that, that, that I see a look of dread. You mean I got to be with that person in heaven forever? Yes, you do. Here's the truth. Whatever differences you may have with that person, you settle them now. You settle them now. And Paul and Barnabas, they, uh, they, they had quite a falling out over young John Mark. And uh, John Mark probably deserved the rebuking that Paul was giving to him because John Mark had abandoned Paul and Barnabas on the mission field. Uh, John Mark was a very young man. He was, uh, uh, he was probably scared for his life, and he, and he ran away. And uh, on the next missionary journey that they were about to take, Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark along with Paul and, uh, along with Paul and Barnabas. And Paul was like, absolutely not. We're not bringing Mark, Mark with us. He's too young. He's too immature. And I can't handle him being with me. So, and, uh, and, so, and Barnabas really had a disagreement with Paul uh, regarding that. The, the Luke's words, if I can remember correctly, was no little disagreement. There was some major strife between Barnabas and Paul regarding John Mark to the point that it uh, they had they ended up separating and that was the last time you hear of Barnabas uh, in, in in scripture they ended up separating but there was something that happened there something that happened that we can look later on in scripture and find although we don't hear about Barnabas again we do hear about John Mark if you read at the end of the book of Second Timothy, this is Paul's last letter before he before he goes to face uh, his execution. One of the last verses in Second Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that when Timothy comes, bring along with him John Mark. This is years later. Bring along with you John Mark before he is beneficial for me in the ministry. You know, Paul. He had a major difference with John Mark early on in ministry, and it caused, a, it caused them to go separate ways. And there are going to be times where we're going to have to just love one another from a distance. But Paul realized that, something, that John Mark, amends that needed to be made, and they were made. And then he says, bring John Mark, for he's beneficial to me. That's so amazing. 
That's so amazing that even through the differences that they had and the differences that Paul had, that he still that they still loved one another and that he still found love for them. Then he says in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 1, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. He's saying that they'll have a greater love. He's, at, he's praying that they'll have a greater love for one another, that they'll grow in their love for one another more and more. Uh, this love for their for fellow believers, it's going to grow as a result as their, for their deepening love for the Lord. And Paul is saying that the more that you love God, the more that you have any, the more that you love God's word, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, the more you're going to be able to love others. And Jesus affirmed this. He's saying, obeying the Great Commission, which is which is to love God with our entire being. It's the key to keeping the second greatest commandment, which is to love one another. The former produces the latter. If we love God, we're going to love one another. And and Paul places this priority on believers. The greatest petition that we can bring before the Lord on behalf of other Christians is that they would deepen in their love for God. deepen in their love for others. And where love for the brethren grows, the church is most like heaven. Where love for God grows, the church is most like heaven. Um, I, I was thinking of this last night. And the Bible calls us, ladies and gentlemen, ambassadors. If you're a Christian, you're an ambassador for Christ. Now, when you go to a, when you go to a foreign country, where is the place you're most likely to find the ambassador? At the embassy. Or at the ambassador's residence, that's where he lives. But you're most likely to find him working and doing his work, or at least getting his, uh, his charges from the embassy. And, the, and what's so amazing about the embassy is that whatever foreign country you, may, you find yourself in, when you step foot in the embassy, you're no longer in that foreign country. You're on familiar soil. Oftentimes, you'll, you'll, you'll hear of people um, seeking refuge at, at an embassy that is inside another country, or especially Americans. It, you've seen in the movies, if Americans can get to the U.S. embassy, then they find refuge because that is U.S. soil. The place where the ambassador works is the soil of the home country. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're ambassadors for Christ, the church is the embassy. This is a little slice of heaven right here. It should be. It should be. We are, when we come on here, this isn't just simply the First Baptist Church of Locust. This isn't just simply a place in Stanley County, North Carolina. This isn't just a place in, in, in the United States. This is heavenly soil, an embassy for the kingdom that's not of this world. And ladies and gentlemen, that if our love for the brothers grows, that is our charge, love for brothers and love love, uh, for the Lord. If that grows, then this embassy looks more and more like heaven. And that's what I want. For this church, that's what I want for Watkins Chapel Baptist Church. And, and, and please know that none of us are perfect, so, we're, so, we're not, so, so there's always a way we could do better and better and better. So we love one another. We love the Lord. But how do we fall more and more love, in love with the Lord? And Paul says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment. So how do you grow in this knowledge and discernment more and more? How do you know what is pleasing to the Lord? How do you know what is glorifying to the Lord? How do you fall more and more in love with someone? By getting to know them better. And how do you get to know the Lord better? Through His Word. 
you love one another. You love the Lord through his word. You love the people of God and you love the word of God. And this is what real knowledge of the Lord is. This is practical wisdom that only God can impart. This is what the discernment is. Authentic love requires a penetrating discernment that comes only from a devotion to God's word. It's a devotion to the doctrines of God's word, to the truths of God's word. And you may say, well, Billy, doctrine divides. Well, of course it does. That's what Satan said in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Of course doctrine divides. It divides truth from error. It divides right from wrong. It divides godly from satanic. Of course, of course, God doctrine divides. And somebody say, well, I don't need theology. I don't need doctrine. I just need Jesus. Well, define who Jesus is. You give me a biblical answer. He's the son of God. Well, you're doing theology. Uh, did God create Jesus? Well, No. Well, you're doing theology. Is Jesus eternal? Yes. Well, you're doing theology, so evidently you need theology more than what you thought. That's supposed to be a little bit funny there. Come on, yo. The only way to fall more and more in love with God is to fall more and more in love with his word. And if we don't love God's word, then we don't love God, the God of the word. If we say we love God, but we never open his word, then what God do you love? If we say we love Jesus, but we never open up the word to learn about who he is, then what Jesus do you love? I pray that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be so pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Uh, the most difficult challenge we face is not simply distinguishing between good and evil. Uh, I think that rather the most challenging choices are often deciding between what is good, better, and best. And Paul is fervently praying that, 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 that his Christian brothers and his sisters will know what is best, what is excellent in loving one another. He's saying, and, and to be so pure and blameless until the day of Christ. He's praying, that there will be, he's praying that there will be no character flaws or false love in the Philippians. Nothing, that, nothing must be hidden under, under a cover-up or a religious facade. They can't appear to be one person on, on Sunday in church, but on Monday appear, appear to be something else at work. There cannot be an inconsistency between what they confess to believe and how they live every area of our lives must fit together as a cohesive whole if you love jesus on sunday it better be reflected on monday that's what paul is saying it matters to god how we live it matters to god what we do outside of sunday morning forgiveness of sin does not bestow upon us a freedom to sin eternal security is not a license to do whatever you want we believe that god saves and he saves to the utter from the uttermost to the uttermost we believe that god saves and god keeps people but that doesn't mean we we, we can just go along and just ask god for forgiveness wherever we sin and and and, and just and, and just think it's okay to do uh, whatever sin because God's going to forgive that's not what it's about God is calling us to a life of holiness to love him more and more our love is going to be reflected in our actions if we say we know God and if we say we love God then it has to be reflected in how we live it has to be it has to be John made it abundantly clear and that was one of the last um 
that was one of the last series that I was in under Pastor Tommy while I was still here was the book, through the book of 1 John. And John made it abundantly clear. And James makes it abundantly clear that our faith must have action to back it up. praying that you may fall in love with one another more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of the Lord, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, this, this fruit of righteousness was, it's an Old Testament idea from Proverbs 11.30. It speaks as a, as a tree of life. James called it a seed whose fruit is righteousness. It's sown in peace by those who make peace. That we show one another love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These are things that are not humanly generated. It's God's purpose that that these good things work in all of us. For we're here as his workmanship, as Ephesians says. I want to close with this. And Jesus made that truth especially clear. In John chapter 15, when he said, Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he it is that bears much fruit. Apart for apart from me, you can do nothing. I was shown this incredible illustration, and I, and I can't believe I didn't see it before. But a, uh, a pastor comes in to a, to a pastor's meeting. And he's carrying this branch, and this branch is full of leaves, and it looks absolutely beautiful. It's full of leaves, and it looks like it's full of life. And he said, and he said, ladies, he said, gentlemen, I, I need to ask you a question. Is this branch alive, or is this branch dead? And when we look at it, you see all the green leaves and the, and, and, and the green center, and it looks like it's absolutely beautiful. And we all said, well, it looks alive. And he said, friends, probably don't realize it and this branch certainly doesn't realize it but this branch is dead he said it may look alive but this branch has been cut off from the tree it has no chance unless you're really really good at grafting this branch has no chance and that's and that really struck me because there are times when we, then, when so many of us drift, we begin to drift from in our relationships to the Lord. We begin to drift, and we begin to feel like, "Man, I got this. I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I don't need, I, I don't need as much uh, of, of Jesus as some people do. I don't need as much of Him as, as some people might might want to think that I need. I'm all right, so I don't need as much of it. I can cut myself off in areas. I, I don't need, I don't need all this." Not realizing that is that the very moment that we cut ourselves off from the Lord, we begin to die. And we don't even realize that we're dying. Because we still look green, because we still look luscious, and because we still look because we still feel great. 
Jesus is saying that the very moment that you divide yourself from me, you cannot continue to live a Christian life. And this was Paul's heart. That we continue together in this partnership, holding one another up, remaining committed to the Lord. Puritan Thomas Brooks read it this way. The aim of the obedient soul in prayer and praises and talking and walking and giving and receiving and living and doing is to glorify our Lord, to remain committed to him and to remain and to glorify him in all that we do. And I realize I've gone over, but we need to uh, reflect on this just for a moment. We you bow your heads for a moment as Nancy comes? And as the... The van and the team comes. It was asked this way, what is the chief purpose of man? What is the chief end of man? And, that, and the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so I want, to, I want to ask you today, I really want you to reflect in yourself, reflect in your own mind and reflect in your own heart. We're here at homecoming. It's a great time to gather with friends. It's a great time to gather with other believers that we don't get to see very often. But I ask you, is this is really a time that you need to uh, see that you, you make a, a reunitement with the Lord? That uh, you've been you've been you've been kind of coasting through um, what you've been doing in your service to the Lord. You've been kind of coasting through, and it really hasn't been meaningful, and and it needs to change. My life, although it has not been um, terrible, it has not been glorifying to the Lord. I've not been living out the partnership of the gospel that Paul talks about. So I want to ask you today, and I, and I simply want you to reflect in your own mind and, uh, and, 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 and just be honest with yourself, is your relationship with the Lord something that is glorifying to Him or something that brings shame to yourself? In just a moment, they're going to sing and we're going to worship, and I'm going to stand down front here. I'm going to be in front uh, worshiping along with you. And if you need prayer... Uh, I'll be down here. If you need prayer, Pastor Tommy will be down here. If you need prayer, Zach or Brandon or any or any of the deacons, they'll be down here to pray with you because we all desire to see us all grow together in the Lord. And there are times when we drift. There are times when we try to fly under the radar. There are times when we struggle. And I don't want you to leave here today struggling. I want you to leave here today knowing where your home is. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, if you're here and you, and you, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, just know that there is a Savior waiting for you who loves you and who, and for, for some of you, is maybe calling you and you need to respond in repentance and faith, turning away from sin and turning to our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is so gracious that He calls sinners to Himself without judging them on the spot. And he is so gracious that he sent his son Jesus to die for sinners that didn't deserve it. 
And there are some here that may need to turn to the Lord. And I pray that you do so this morning. Our Father, God, this morning uh, there were there were many different things that I said, and Lord, there were. Uh, I'll have to admit there were times where I felt like my mind was scattered on so many things that I wanted to say, so many things that I probably should have said that didn't that I didn't say. But Lord, I pray that uh, that, that what I did say, Lord, that uh, it was glorifying to you and that it was calling your people to love you and to love one another and to love the fact that we are in partnership together in the gospel. And Father, be with us today. Father, be with your people today. God, those that you're calling to yourself, God, those that you are that you are drawing to you, Lord, may they come in repentance and faith in loving their Lord Jesus. Father, what a great and glorious God you are, Lord. May we serve and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. We just stand.
Good word, man. Good word. Well, I, I, I have been blessed today. You know, uh, when, when Brother Billy was here, uh, we tried to give opportunities to preach, knowing that there's going to be a day when God calls him into that pastorate, and he uh, will stand there and have command in charge of that pulpit. And uh, Brother Billy, uh, God's done a good work getting you prepared, man. You did good. You did good. And uh, I'm just thankful that First Baptist Church of Locust, um, God allowed us to be a part of that. And, and man, we're, we're glad to have you guys back with us again. It's good to see you. We're going to uh, have a time of um, uh, fellowship around the table together as we eat together. You're welcome to stay and eat with us. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a member of our church or not. Uh, we're just glad you're here. and We want you to, to come and uh, eat with us. The uh, fellowship hall is the building that's immediately to my right, your left. And so as you exit, if you'll make your way over there, uh, we'll have folks uh, there that will be able to help you and as uh, we serve you and uh, enjoy a meal together. Brother Billy, I'm going to uh, ask you to join me at the, the door there so we can um, welcome folks and thank them for being here today as we go out. Uh, so if you have opportunity, please speak to uh, Brother Billy, Miss Catherine, uh, and what used to be kids that are grown up now. Uh, but we're, we're glad to have them back with us today. Uh, Brother Ashley, could I ask you to close us in prayer, please, sir? And if you will, just go ahead and uh, bless the food. And as you make your way out there, you're ready to go ahead and start through the serving line and uh, enjoy your meal together. And thank you again for being here today. Let us pray. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. Dear Lord, what a blessed day this is that we can celebrate homecoming together. And thank you for letting Billy come back and, and give your good word to us, dear Lord. And I just pray that as we go and we share this meal together, that you'll give us the, the time to fellowship with one another and just bless our conversations. And dear Lord, I just please bless the rest of our day together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <laughs> 